thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. He's alive. Uh, I've got a wheelbarrow right here, right here. I'm going to bring it over here. For those of you, it's your first time. You're suddenly scared. What kind of church are we at? All right. Don't be scared. It's good to see you guys. We're in a series here where we've been working through uh, the different I am statements that we read in the Gospel of John. And so uh, we find Jesus telling us about himself. So we could call this series I am, which is what we've called it, but uh, it concludes today. But we, we could actually have it be like Jesus on Jesus because it's Jesus telling us what he's like. And so it's Jesus giving metaphors or descriptions about who he is. And so uh, didn't Nathan do a great job last week when he did I am the way, the truth, and life? Great job. It was so good. And, and then in the weeks before, we talked about Jesus when he said, I am the true vine. And he said, I am the good shepherd. And, and I, I want to conclude today on Easter Sunday morning. We'll start a new series next week called Homecoming, which is partly why we gave you a little teaser, sang that song. Um, but if you read in John 11, you've got this great moment where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So you have your Bibles, let's go John 11, or you can look at the screen behind me, or you can look at your phone or whatever you've got, but promise the preacher that you will not be checking scores on your phone or something else like that. Just Bible, just Bible. Here we go. John 11, it says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes. Now that's what I want you to see is this word believes. Because this word believes pops up a lot, even in this moment, but we're gonna look at even in the whole gospel of John. It's a recurring theme. I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. And even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus says, do you believe this? Great question. Jesus looks right at Martha. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. And that question that Jesus asked Martha is the question that I believe he's asking us today. And it's the whole goal of this morning's message is, do you believe this? Father, we love you today. And we ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us to live as believers in 21st century Kansas City. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would take a step in belief. We pray, Lord Jesus, that the word of God would come alive. We pray that we would respond to Christ today. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said, amen. amen. There's a famous story about uh, Charles Blondine, all right? And he was an, an acrobat, all right? Yeah, welcome to church. And, uh, and when he was five years old, he began uh, preparing uh, all of his theatrics. And he was a tightrope walker, uh, born in France. His family moved to New York. And then his whole life, he was training uh, as an acrobat. And he became famous in the 1800s for being the, for, for being the one that would walk across the Niagara Falls. And so that's a long way. And I don't know if you've been there, but the day that I was there uh, at Niagara Falls, it was very cold, very windy. And uh, it was one of those days you just want to run, get back in your car. But he would take a tightrope and he would walk across the tightrope uh, and back and forth. And so according to Smithsonian Magazine, he did it about 300 times 
in his lifetime. So his whole idea was to try to get people to come. They would pay in order to see him walk across uh, Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And so he had to add theatrics to just get him to keep coming back, right? So uh, the legend is, is that he did lots of different things, that he did things like stop and eat breakfast halfway through. Uh, that one time that he, that he walked across the tightrope over Niagara Falls blindfolded. It was all these different stories about how he kept promoting the theatrical way that he was going to do this. So, so there's lots of legendary stories about some of the things that could have happened um, uh, or that, that happened while he was doing this. And one of them is, is that one day he took a, a wheelbarrow and he crossed the whole thing with rocks. So wheelbarrow, rocks, obviously challenging, people applauding. And when he got to the end, he dumped out the rocks and then he said, how many of you believe that I could take a man across Niagara Falls on the rope? And they all began to scream and say, we believe. And then he said, all right, who will get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> to which nobody got in the wheelbarrow. And uh, I just think it's a fun story because I think that kind of like a crowd then, it's kind of easy to just be in a crowd and go, what's up? We believe. Until it actually means like, I'll put my life on the line. That's all right. Right? I was just thinking about if we could kind of get into first century Jesus, conversations, disciples, people in the crowds about believing. I wonder if 21st century Kansas City kind of has a little bit of that, what's up? Yeah, we believe. But if we were to have conversation with Jesus about where the rubber meets the road, like what does it mean to believe? I just wonder what, what it would look like if we could kind of redefine what it means to be a believer. And I love that word believer because before we were Presbyterians and Baptists and Wesleyans and Methodists and Lutherans, we were just believers or unbelievers. Today, I just want to go, let's go believer or unbeliever. Just you, just asking that question, like, where am I at? What's my story? Am I a believer? And John, all through his gospel, as we've been spending these last six weeks in this week after week of who Jesus is, we've been in the gospel of John, and he's over and over again using this word believe. It's the... I would call it the chief narrative of the, whole, of the whole gospel. I mean, you just find it over and over again. 54 times we find this word believe. So the word believe is only used 120 times in the New Testament, but 54 times in John's gospel. And I just want to give you just, just a run through. So I'm going to go fast, but I just want you to believe me that you find this all the way through. And I'm not going to give you all of them, but I'm going to give you some of the ways that we see this idea of believing throughout this gospel. John 1, 6 says, there was, a man who was sent, who, there was a man who was sent from God whose name was John, speaking of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. It's a big statement right there. There's, there's, there's some agenda. So that all might believe, John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus read letters, probably the most famous verse that many of us know. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his own, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus in the moment in John 6, after he'd multiplied the bread and the fish, 
He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. To believe or not to believe? That's the big question. Actually, there are times where John gives us just a little bit about the crowds, where there are some people that believed, and in his excitement, he just throws it in. John 4, 41. And because of his words, many more became believers. John 10, 42. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Many. That's what Jesus was about. He was helping people take that step to believe. Actually, as we get closer and closer to the end, we get this little prayer. It's called the high priestly prayer in John 17, where Jesus prays, and he's praying that we would believe. Listen to this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe. So he prays for his disciples, and then he says, I pray not just for them, but I also pray for those who will believe. That's us. We've come later. We're 21st century, United States of America. It's, it's a different century. It's a different time. And when he's praying here, he's praying for you that you would believe. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And towards the end of his gospel, in John chapter 20, we get down to where we get this summation where he says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, and he gives us the why, right? He gives you that why. But these are written, that you may believe. Say believe. That you may believe. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Sometimes when we read and we think about belief, it can almost be out there somewhere. It can almost be Oh, it's for everybody. It can almost be just almost doctrinal, almost like an idea. You know, what happens when it becomes not just something that a preacher says or a book you read or a YouTube video that you watch or a podcast that you listen to? But today, imagine if you had a face-to-face conversation with Jesus where he asked you the question, do you believe this? Yeah. Like it's just you and him. Like it's not me. It's not the worship team. It's not your favorite place to go online. It's not another church somewhere. It's just you face to face. If you had a face to face conversation with Jesus, because Jesus had face to face conversations in the gospel of John with individuals around the idea of belief. And Jesus enters into their circumstance and we see the way that they respond. I just want to give you a few portraits of the way that believers responded to Jesus. There's a moment where Jesus asks a blind man. And the interesting thing about the blind man is the blind man had already received the miracle of sight. So when Jesus asked this question of him, do you believe in the son of man? He already was ready. He was, he was, come on, give it to me. Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? It is he who's speaking to you. I believe. And he worshiped. That's what happens with the blind man. Why? Because he'd already experienced 
got it work. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're ready. Maybe you're like, maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you got up and you were like, hey, it might be cold outside. I'm going to the early service. Jesus at work in my life. And I don't know how to explain this, but I've been, had, been a little bit awakened. Uh, so this person's been uh, telling me about Jesus that I work with. Maybe, maybe you've seen God do something and, and you are like the blind man where you have experienced I am ready. What do I need to, what is the story? Tell me, fill me in. I'm ready, ready to believe. That could be you. Because Jesus looked at this blind man in John 9. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and he found him. Right after he'd healed him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. He's ready. Just tell me, I'm ready. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now, I don't know what this blind man looked like. Um, I know many of you have been discipled by VeggieTales. And so that's kind of the way that you view this moment is cucumbers and tomatoes. Um, I grew up uh, watching the Jesus of Nazareth movie that was made in 1973. And so that, for whatever reason, um, I I love this blind man because this blind man in in that story with that Jesus, um, he's... He falls over. I always really loved him because he's like this really short guy, like 5'5", five five, and I just loved the blind man. Felt he and I connected. And he literally just falls down. He says, who is he, Lord? And Jesus, and I, I don't know what Jesus is really like, but in the 1973 movie of Jesus, he's kind of stoic and just kind of, he's got big blue eyes like this. And he's like, it is he that is speaking to you, you know? And the blind man goes, I believe and he falls down, and then Jesus puts his hand on his head. Now, that's not in the text, but that's in the movie. And so I've always pictured Jesus putting his hand on his head, and then Jesus starts preaching, you know, to the Pharisees. And so I just picture, you know, that moment right there where Jesus has this new friend. And I picture some of you are like that today. You just go, I'm ready. Jesus, Jesus. Now, honestly, this is, if you were here last Easter, this is how I was last Easter. I was just like, I believe, I believe. God had just healed my dad, and I was just, I mean, I couldn't, I cried every day. I was just like, let's go. Come on, I believe, I believe in miracles. Let's go, and let's pray. Let's do prayer meetings every day. I mean, just alive. And some of you, that's where you're at right now. And Jesus would have a conversation with you just like he did with the blind man. And he's just giving, let me tell you, here's your next step. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Some of you, that's the opposite of where you're at. Some of you, celebratory, he's at work. You know it in your head but your heart is trying to figure out all the confusion, maybe some disappointment. And that's really the story of Martha. Because when we read the story where Jesus has a face-to-face encounter with Martha and he asks Martha if she believes, she's in the middle of crisis, pain, chaos. In this story, Jesus waited two days after Mary and Martha sent someone to tell him, that Lazarus, his friend, and actually in the text it says, the one that you love. Don't you love that? Like the way that they're motivating Jesus is not the one that loves you, but the motive is, hey, we know you love him. That's good news. That's another sermon, but that's good news. And he says, the one that you love is sick. Jesus waits two days, and then Jesus comes. Lazarus has died. This conversation where Jesus asked, do you believe this? I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It actually comes before Lazarus is risen. Before, before you have Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So it's before the miracle. Blind man, it was after the miracle. Martha, it's the middle of the pain. Middle of the grief. Disappointment. 
sadness. I ran out of Bible commentaries to read on this, so I just asked my children what they thought. <laughs> That's a good preacher right there. I said, how do you, what, what do you guys think Martha felt? My youngest, he said, I think, I think he felt, Martha felt just confused. Just, Jesus, I, I, I know that you're good. Why, why, did, why did you not come? Why did you, why did you not raise Lazarus? Why did you not heal Lazarus? We know that you're a healer. Another one of my kids said, I think just disappointed. Certainly grieving. And maybe that's you. Maybe like Martha, you're trying to figure out, I know that God is good. Here's the pain that I'm in. Here's the circumstance that I'm in. Here's this relational difficulty. Here's this, and intellectually, I can't untangle the knots of God's sovereignty and how God is at work in the world, but not the way that I want him to. And certainly, Martha her brother's been dead for four days, trying to figure out, I mean, we were his friends. We sent the courier to go get him. Lazarus is dead. A little bit of internal traffic. And of course, Jesus, before he raises Lazarus, he asks her, do you believe this? I'm the resurrection of life. He that believes in me. And we know the story. We know the backstory. But in that moment, in the middle of the pain, Martha says, and she's actually, this is the same thing that we find Peter saying in Matthew 16. When Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asks the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? They say, well, some say you're like, and they start listening, Elijah, John the Baptist. And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Martha's got some of that in her right here where she says clearly, you're the Messiah. Son of God. So the blind man. Miracle, I'm ready. Martha, I don't, it's not turning out quite like I thought, but you are who you say you are. I believe. There's one more I want you to see, and that's the conversation with Thomas. Thomas, in John 20, has Jesus have a dialogue with him as well. Post-resurrection, Jesus already risen from the dead. And Thomas, Thomas responds. And, and, and I think that for many of us, this is actually um, kind of being skeptical. And there, there's some strength in what we see in Thomas because Thomas has got some doubt. But in the same way, Thomas then ends up being the one that ends up taking the gospel to India. He ends up starting churches. He ends up being, most historians believe that he was martyred for his faith. And he's got this real conversation with Jesus too. He's, he's a little bit slower to believe, but when he does, he gives us all. Maybe that's you. Listen to this, verse 24, John 20, 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Great phrase, stop doubting and believe. 
I see that like a spectrum. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, here's a great phrase, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So here's Thomas. And he gives him this invitation. Stop doubting and believe. Face to face, Thomas. And maybe that's Jesus' conversation with you today. Stop doubting. Have this encounter with the living God. You know, it's interesting. Even when you look at most people who have intellectual doubts and want to just try to untie intellectual knots when you come to issues of faith, it's often an encounter that they have with Jesus that changes everything. C.S. Lewis is a famous theologian. He's the one who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's a phenomenal author. and He, uh, he wrote his autobiography, and here he is, one of the most intellectual, brilliant men of his day. And he didn't name it something about the mind discovering Christ. He wrote his autobiography, and the name of it was Surprised by Joy. Why? I'm surprised by this encounter, this, what God has done for me, this life, this experience, who he is to me. I just want to encourage you, maybe today, maybe this is, maybe you're checking the box. <laughs> you're just showing up today and you've decided you're not a believer. You've got reasons, circumstance. Here's my only prayer, that you would have conversation, an encounter with the risen Savior, that you would look and go, you know what? Jesus, he is who he says he is. At the end of the day, believer or unbeliever, will I believe or will I not believe? Is it about me or is it about him? Is he who he says he is or is he not? And believing, believing is our gateway to God. It's this step of I, I come before Jesus and I just respond and I believe. You look over and over again and the, what Jesus wanted from people was, will you believe? And he, 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 in fact, many of these things that we've been talking about in this series, this is the motive of Jesus' heart for these miracles. Like, like in that story in John 6, when suddenly he multiplies the bread and fish, and then he comes back and he says in John 6, he says, I'm the bread of life. And in the very story, he says, hey, those who believe in me, they'll, they'll never hunger again. He's using the miracle as a motive for you to find him as life and to believe. So it's, David's up here with a wheelbarrow, but I, I'm telling you, Jesus had better sermon illustrations than I did. Right? Like, this is kind of cheesy. I mean, we even painted it the same color palette as kind of the theme of the day, right? That's why it's all pretty. This ain't, you know, this wheelbarrow's never been used before. I mean, this is weak sauce. But Jesus is trying to get a point across. He goes, I'm the bread of life. Bam! Bread. Feed y'all. Feed all y'all if you're from the South. Feed all y'all. But then he says this He goes, you're, they're going to hunger again. That, that bread is temporary. That, 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 that's your, that, that'll help you for a day. But let me tell you what will be bread 
life for eternity. I'm the bread of life. It's just a, it's just, it's just a picture to bring his message across. It's just, he used the miracle to let you know the message. Here's the message, believe. I'm the bread of life. That's what he does with the blind man. And we did that whole week on the light of the world. But he just looks at the blind man and he says, well, I'm in the, he says to the people, while I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. He goes over and he heals the blind man. It's a nice day to be the preacher's prop that day. I want you all to know, I want you all to know that people may claim to be lights. There's one light. I'm the light of the world. Jesus says, here, come here. Five foot five, blind, bam, you're going to see, fall down. Who's he, Lord, that I might believe? It's he that's speaking to you. I believe. I'll bet he sang it. I believe, I believe, right? Like, come on, I believe. It's just a moment. But the motive of the miracle was belief. I, wanna, I need people to know I am who I say I am. I want you to know what you believe. And even Lazarus, yeah, but Lazarus was his friend, I know. But you read John 11, Jesus knows full well. Martha doesn't know the whole story, Jesus knows the story. And even raising Lazarus from the dead. John 12, he's going to end up hanging out with, with Lazarus again, sitting back at the table, having conversations. And it's actually funny because when we read in John 12, people are actually wanting to meet Lazarus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus makes Lazarus an instant celebrity. But the goal was not even just like friendship with Lazarus or Lazarus having some people go, wow, what was it like? Here's what Jesus is going. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Bam, Lazarus. 1973, Jesus. I watched it last night just to get, you know, my game face on. I did. Ask Dawson. I watched it last night. And I don't know what Jesus, how it really sounded, but in the movie, Jesus goes, come forth. You know, it's almost like gladiator. Oh, you know. But here's why. That you all might believe. He's looking for believers. Oh, I want to just splice and dice all the complications of the world and all the people that have hurt me and all the, all, all the challenges through church history and all the present tense problems with worship and preachers and churches. And I just want to try to find a reason why I can create a third category. There is no third category. Belief? I don't believe. That's, 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 that's where it lands. And I'm telling you, the, the privilege of a lifetime is not even that you behave that you believe and you step into believing and that, but that's the fun part. You really believe. I mean, you believe and you're like, Jesus is who he says he is. Come on, put me in the wheelbarrow, baby. Let's go. Let's go upside down. Let's go around. I believe you can take care of me. You're the way, the truth and the life. You're the savior. You're my friend. You're God of all God. You create, you can raise the dead. Oh, hey, where you say I'll go, let's go, let's go. And a believer behaves a whole lot differently because they believe in who he is. So you've got an opportunity to respond to Jesus. <laughs> it's this. It's either believe or not. The most painful decision a human being can make in their lifetime is decide. Huh. You know, I made double digits on my ACT. I'm pretty smart. 
I'm a, I'm a, I can Google. I'm going to, I'm not going to believe. Yeah. I've read a couple books. I watch YouTube. I'm going to be Lord of all. I'm going to make my own choices, baby. I'm just telling you. End of the day. You got this short little window of time in life. And the invitation that you have in front of you that Jesus offered when he was walking on planet Earth, first century, all around Galilee and Jerusalem, he offers to you. Will you believe? For God so loved the world, Jesus' words in red, that whoever would believe would not perish. <laughs> and when he looks at Thomas, to Thomas, he goes, hey, Thomas, Stop doubting and believe. You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Na, 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 na. That's us. Like you haven't walked around first century with Jesus. You weren't there. You're not. (laughs) You didn't have Jesus appear to you and say, hey, touch me right there. No, no, no. And you get in on this blessing. I mean, the blessing of a believer in the 21st century because we go, hey, that's us. We're the ones Jesus prayed for. John 17. <laughs> Come on. And you talk to people who've been walking with Jesus and they'll say, I can't explain it. But the blessing of knowing Jesus is the identity of my life. I'm a believer. Yeah, but you got this going for you and that going for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Apart from Every other way you want to describe me or identify me. Here is the identity that is true. I believe. I believe he is who he says he is. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your journey looks like. I don't know what your story is. You've got stories in the room where you're just ready. You're eager. Maybe, maybe you have a friend who goes to Radiant Church and they brought you today and they're seated next to you and you've seen life in them and you said, I'll go with you. I'll go to church and you're hungry today. And you're like the blind man. You go, I'm ready. I want Jesus. I want to believe. Maybe you're in the middle of some chaos, some difficulty. And maybe Jesus didn't come through on the thing that you thought he didn't do it the way that you wanted. But you know what? I'll just bet if you just read Martha a little bit later, she's going, you know, Jesus, that whole thing you did about letting him die and then for the glory of God, bringing him back to life, not bad. You're pretty smart. You'll say the same thing. You're not going to stand before Jesus one day and go, yeah, you know the way you did human history? I would have done it better. You're going to go, ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah, the Lord God, omnipotent reigns. Pretty smart. Not bad. You're smarter than I am. Ah, oh, David, I'm real smart. <laughs> you look at Jesus and go, worthy, awesome, Jesus. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been skeptical and, and today's your day to encounter the risen Savior. Go, I just stop doubting and believe. Yes, believing, it's the, it's easy. 
but it's so hard. It's so simple. I believe, but it's the fight of your life. I believe, I believe. Because the enemy comes and the enemy, you go back to the garden and the thing that the enemy is always doing is attacking what you believe. Did God really say? And the enemy wants to try to move what you believe. Attack what you believe. And this, it, it is a fight. But if you lock in with that and go to the end, Jesus, I believe. It is the greatest decision. It is the most important decision. It's the most life-changing decision. And it's the eternal decision. And so really, you just get to say, all right, I don't have it all figured out but I believe. And if you look at the responses of these three people, the blind man, he just says, I believe, and he worships. Martha, do you believe this? And she confesses. I believe that you are the son of God, the Messiah. And Thomas, He just surrenders. He says, my Lord and my God. I'd like for us today, whether it's your first time to say, I believe, or your thousandth time to say, I believe. I'd like to invite all of us to respond with these three responses. So we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna start with just a song in worship. We're just going to worship together. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to lead you in the exact words that Martha confessed. And I'm going to invite you to confess the exact phrase that she said to Jesus. And then I'm going to invite you to surrender like Thomas did. Thomas, my Lord and my God, I'm not the Lord of my life. I'm not the God of my life. Jesus, you are my Lord and my God.